On today's podcast, we have a group of students, each who have battled COVID in their own special way. They have forged insights from this adversity and they're willing to share them with us today. And one special note, you'll see an asked and answered question relating to a previous podcast by Anthony Morgan. So playing on this connection, it's explained in the podcast. I hope you enjoy. Please lean in and enjoy this conversation with Sam, Prab, and Maria. Welcome back to the pod, everybody. Today we have a wonderful group of students from the Faculty of Science and the School of Food Nutrition. And we're really going to get them to introduce themselves before we get in with these really tough interrogating questions. So, Prab, we're going to start with you. Hi, guys. I'm Prab. I'm a third-year nutrition and food student here at Ryerson. You're going into your fourth year, right? Yes, I'm going into my fourth year. Excellent. And Maria? Hi, I'm Maria. I'm a biomedical science student currently in my second year going to third. And Sam? Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Samantha Hernandez. I'm a biology student. I'm in third year going into fourth. Perfect. All right, team. So tell me, how did the semester end for each of you? Because I'm, I'm curious to see like how you sort of coped with the mixed platform or that remote delivery. Prab, you actually were in the midst of doing something else first. Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, so I'm actually still in the middle of my semester. I was participating in international exchange this semester, and I was off to RMIT University in Melbourne, Australia. I left around mid-February, and when I got there, things were sort of getting a little worse, but I still decided to go. And I th- in about March, things got really bad, and then Ryerson International wanted us to come back. So I came back in April. And now I'm continuing on with my semester online and it's my second last week this week. So it has gone by quickly, but I've been juggling with just different time zones and it's not been easy. Oh, so you are still going through all this then. That's a completely different situation. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting when I talk to my friends at Ryerson because they're all taking summer school courses and I'm like, oh wait, I haven't even finished my semester yet. Like my winter semester. And that's something interesting. I don't think people realize though, because they're in the Southern hemisphere, their school year is not the same as ours. Yeah, it's not. So that's cool because they actually, this is their first semester of the year. So they call it semester one there. And in our school year, it's different because this is our second semester. So it was very interesting to really feel that difference, I guess, in like school years, because I never really realized that the Southern Hemisphere or some countries have a different school semester start than us. So you you also came back kind of late. You said you got back in April, right? So you, I mean, we got shut down here in mid-March. So, I mean, you obviously had to self-quarantine when you got back, but what was that like, the experience of being like, oh my God, I don't know what's going on in a foreign country, the world is ending. Oh my God. So this is actually a really interesting story. I think the craziest moments of my life. Australia was actually going into lockdown, like strict lockdown, and I had 48 hours. So what I did was I left, I was in Melbourne. I left Melbourne. I booked the flight in the moment when I heard that news and I left to go to Sydney. That's where my aunt lives, uh, my mom's sister. So I was there for two weeks and I was speaking with my family because I think it's important to understand that I know the best decision is to come back home. But in the moment, it's really hard to make that decision because there's so many things on your mind. Like me personally, like this exchange is something I planned for. It took a year for this to happen. And, you know, you, you're always in this kind of conundrum, like, okay, if I leave, well, will I miss out on a potential experience? Or wait, if I don't leave, then when will I go back home? So it took me two weeks, but as a collectively, like with my family and me, I, we decided it was best for me to come back. And it was crazy flying at this time because the airports were empty. 
It was very scary. Um, shops were closed. It was literally only my flight. And these were, this was the uh, last Air Canada flight actually flying back from Sydney to Toronto. Wow, that's crazy. I couldn't imagine it. It must feel kind of apocalyptic as you're going yeah. to an airport with no, only like the people on your plane there. Um, okay, so that's the cool experience that we might talk a little bit more about. Maria, what, how did your semester end? You know, it was definitely a transition, you know, going from being in class every day to switching on an online platform. But I think it was also a positive because I didn't have to waste as much time commuting to school back and forth. So I was able to utilize that time to study. So where do you live in town, Maria? So I live in Vaughan. So usually I take the TTC. It would be one way, it's probably an hour and a half. So in total, I do about three hours a day. I mean, in the morning, if you're like anybody else, you probably sleep, <laughs> catch up on your sleep. And then on the way back, you might have a productive 90 minutes, but otherwise you got all of that productivity back. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it was really nice to sleep in and I didn't have to worry about waking up super early to go to my 8 a.m.s. So that was kind of nice. I'm curious, what is your sleep schedule like now? Because uh, it's interesting, a lot of people, they've been saying that a lot of people have been changing their behaviors to become essentially less forced by societal constraints to more what is natural for their body and who they are. So what, what are your, your hours during the day right now? It's definitely better because I'm not staying up as much as I used to, to study and things like that. So I definitely think I get at least seven or eight hours. I try to, at least. So what time do you end up waking up in the morning? Usually I wake up at 10. Okay. You're in a more natural sort of time period now. Would this be something that you would normally be doing in the summertime? Yes. Yeah. Usually unless I had, I would have like work or something like that where I'd have to wake up a lot earlier if I was doing like a morning shift or something like that. Very cool. And Sam, what about you? How did your uh, semester wind up? My semester was a little bit stressful, I find. I think that when, like, my family members have asked me this question, it just ended up kind of in shambles. I found that my transition was very, very stressful. Personally, I just think that it was very difficult for me to kind of balance everything, like all my courses, and just kind of mentally knowing that there was, like, a pandemic. And I think that, you know, definitely being in a science program, because we're so exposed to all this knowledge, like, you know, I was also taking evolution and ecology this semester. So, you know, a lot of the topics that we covered were around viruses and diseases. So for me, it was kind of like I went into my science breakdown mode, don't touch anything, kind of just very worried. And it took a toll for my family. I think it was hard because also a lot of my family members were stuck in Ecuador because they were, you know, there for vacation and all that. And I am definitely one of those people who communicate with them a lot. So for example, my grandparents. So it was stressful for me because I was having, I had exams. I had to try to get them back from Ecuador, back here to Toronto. So it's like the flights were crazy. I was emailing with all these Canada people and um, like the embassy. And then my great grandmother actually passed away from the virus. So it was like a very, a lot of, a lot of things. But I oh, think shit, that- Sam. Yeah. Well, I, sorry. I, sorry to hear that. I didn't realize that. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, that is tragic. Sorry, your grandparents, where were they? Were they in Canada when this happened? So 
basically I, the, the whole thing was that, you know, when this whole virus came, most of my family, like my grandparents and my great grandparents were in Ecuador and I was trying my best to get my grandparents back and also my great grandmother back. So they were in Ecuador when all this happened, but my great grandmother came back and then she passed away about a week after and she was, I guess, diagnosed positive with the virus. So it was a bit tragic, I would say, my end of semester. Yeah, I would say, I would say I, you, you and Prab will fight it out for, for that prize. <laughs> Bree and I are nowhere close. We're, we're just happy we don't have to commute. <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely happy and about actually, that too, though. Wow. Okay. So Sam, we're going to keep it with you. How, how has it been since? Uh, I hope it's been getting better. Oh, definitely a lot better. I think that I'm super glad that my family is, we're very close in that way. And we've been able to support each other. And my mom is an EC, so she hasn't been working. My, my sisters were out of school. So we were all kind of just here and trying to figure it out. And like I said, it was very difficult for me during exam time. And I just like mentally and emotionally, like it, it was very hard for me to focus and devote my time to my studies because I was, I was having so many personal things going on. But I think that, you know, as time passed, I feel a lot better and, you know, time heals everything. And now I'm taking summer school courses and I'm definitely more focused. And like most of you, I'm definitely glad about not commuting. I can do things from home and devote my time to really like studying and I guess my mental health and physical health. So it's definitely a lot better than what it was. Okay, maybe we'll ask everybody. We'll bring Prab back mm -hmm. in. Prab, what are you, how, how are you doing right now? I think initially I was like, there was too much happening at the moment and I couldn't really sense my emotions. But when time kind of paused and I was here back in Canada, that's when I was like, oh my God, I feel like crying. Because... <laughs> It's just so many emotions. Like, you know, I mean, I'm so sorry, Sam. My situation is definitely not as bad as yours. I'm really sorry. Um, well, I would be scared if I were you too, girl, honestly. Oh like, but you, you, like, good for you for, you know, coming back strong. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I was very um, happy that I had a really kind and encouraging support system. But mm -hmm. it honestly wasn't easy because everybody who went on exchange, they know, like, they devote a lot of their time into this and making it possible. So yes, initially I was like, it's okay, but, and then the emotions got best of me and it took some time, I think a month and a half, but I think now I'm more stable and um, I think I'm like more in tune with what I'm doing and I'm focusing on school as it's finishing up, but it was definitely a huge roller coaster ride for me. Yeah. And I, I liken your situation Rob, very much to like a wedding that you've been planning, like a big event, <laughs> right? That I know some couples, former students who are now, you know, getting married and I've been invited and it, it took a long time for them to cancel their wedding. And yeah. I was like, I'll go if you're doing it, but I don't think it's a good idea, right? Like when you are latched on to something that means so much to you. And I, and I know, cause we had talked about this several times before you left that you were really looking forward to this. It sucks. Yeah, uh, but really I think one of the things that really helps is that to know that we all are doing this. Something sucks for all of us, right? Yeah. Like it's, a, it's the world sucks right now. <laughs> it's actually, it's interesting because I interviewed somebody on the pod earlier this week and I'm getting to hear the podcast where they come out published. You'll, you can follow up with it, but she's a new faculty member who's in Sweden and Sweden oh, wow. didn't have a lockdown. They just said, you know, let's let the virus take its course, herd mentality. But now 
no country neighboring Sweden will let anyone from Sweden into their country, even though they're releasing all of their lockdowns right now. And so there's always, there's, you're going to pay a price somehow in this modern world. And so it just may not catch up with you right away. So you, you mentioned you were still taking courses. You said you had two weeks left, Brad? Yes, I'm still taking courses. Luckily, I only have one exam and the rest are assignments. And I guess it's also difficult doing group assignments, I have to say, because, you know, with different time zones and like, I don't know these people because they, I, I mean, you know, in huge course lectures, you don't usually meet everybody. So it's really tricky, but I'm glad that it's near the end <laughs> and I'll be done soon and back to my own time zone. <laughs> and, I, and I suspect that is tricky because you're right. You don't have the social network and the time zone. Like it is 12 hours, right? Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's your exact inverted day. I feel like a night owl. I'm awake at night and like asleep in the morning. It's crazy. Yeah, that long distance remote education would be brutal. I agree. Maria, how are you doing now? I know we, we sort of mentioned this, but I guess what strategies are you using to sort of make the best of this situation? So for me, one of the big challenges with this pandemic was that I was supposed to be starting my co-op term this summer. So I've had to try to find ways to actively search for them on my own. I've been using, with, uh, with the help of uh, co-op advisors, just different programs that I can use to help find a placement. So whether it's through LinkedIn or just on the co-op portal itself, I've been trying to look for some things that I can even do, whether it be like online, like even volunteering online, through like even... Um, helplines and things like that, just so that I can keep busy and be productive this summer. I totally agree. And you know what, uh, normally around this time of year, researchers, faculty members will start to recruit their new graduate students for the fall. And so a lot of that time usually is spent meeting with them face to face and, you know, getting to know them to make sure that you're, it's the right commitment for everybody, right? Because it's either a two or five year commitment, depending if you're going to do a, a master's or a PhD. And so you really want to know these people and you want your current team to take them for lunch and sort of really see if it's the, if it's the right fit. And it's a lot harder right now. So from the other side of exactly what you were talking about, recruiting, trying to find a place, it's challenging because this isn't the best way to meet people. Yeah, exactly. More generally, let's look forward to the fall a little bit. Prab, you're, you're, it's probably freshest in your mind right now. What are your concerns about the fall? And then just so that you you know, I think Ryerson has all but said it'll be going starting with remote teaching in the fall with the hope that it might open up. But even now I'm being told by the chair of my department that I should be thinking about developing my winter courses remotely too. So, oh, wow. so this might be because of these second and third wave possibilities that come with the virus. So what are you kind of worried about I mean, moving forward this fall. Yes, I think for me, because it's my fourth year, my last year, and I want to be applying for um, a lot of post-grad options, looking into master's. It's just like, you know, at this point of time, you really want to be connecting with professors or other faculty that have experiences and, I don't know, get to know more about where you can advance into. And I think I have a few relationships, but I guess like it's just challenging at this point, you know, to like speak with faculty because they might be involved with, you know, switching over to the online learning mode. So I think my fear is just, I guess, being overwhelmed too at this point because 
there's so much happening and then you have to focus on your marks and your courses and then applying for post-grad. So I think just juggling all of it is going to be a nightmare, I think. And you're absolutely right. You know, networking and career building, especially going into your fourth year. Like, to be honest, you guys who are going through school right now are getting hit by this harder because either you're losing a year, unless we come up with some really creative ways to engage, yeah. or you are delaying your year, right? Like you're mm -hmm. missing out on opportunities. So I certainly agree with that. And that's why we're trying to find new and creative ways to engage both in and outside of the classroom. Sam, what are, you're also going into your fourth year, right? What yes. concerns you? I can definitely resonate with uh, how Prab feels also, because I think that, you know, and I was definitely looking forward to doing something educational and also something beneficial for, you know, my future career since I, I will be applying to grad school as well. And I think that that's also something that I was also super concerned and super bummed about because I applied to like three like lab jobs, for example, for, for this Ryerson summer period. But a lot of the, the labs that I applied to actually got shut down because of obviously of social distancing and all these other measures so it was a little bit stressful and I think that I'm still a little bit worried about the lack of opportunities and the lack of relationships that I can possibly build but I'm tr definitely trying to keep positive and trying to use you know even like media to its full advantage luckily my ecology professor from last semester was really great about you know giving us different links for online volunteering and different things that we can do and I think that I'm just going to really try to devote myself to maximizing my time. Yeah no it's a great idea and, and there are things that everybody can contribute to and we'll talk about those a little bit later on. So you, Sam you said you wanted to go to grad school and as a next step. Prab your next step would be did you still want to do dietetics? Yes I am looking forward to that. I'm still okay. juggling between options but yes that is my main goal I would say. Were you also interested in med school at one point? I feel like. Yes, yes, I am. It's just I'm still carving my path, if that makes sense. <laughs> no, no, I, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, and it's not a straight one, just so you know, it, it can uh, yes. meander and bend and do all sorts of crazy things because it's those little side journeys that make life the most interesting. And Maria, what is your long-term goal or like your five-year plan? Not in detail, but just in general. Yeah, so I was definitely thinking of going to med school. That's the goal. <laughs> so, uh, you know, with this time that I have, I was definitely thinking of getting a head start and maybe just starting to review some of the material because I am planning on uh, hopefully taking the test next summer. Okay. So a lot of people I know were trying to take the test this summer too, and yes, there's a whole yeah, bunch of weird things going on. Yeah. A lot of my friends already, even though they're in second year going to third year, I know a couple of them were already planning on taking it. So I don't know if that's kind of changed. They've changed their plan now because I'm not sure if it's moved to like an online platform or if they're just not going to be able to do it this year. I'm not sure. Yeah. What strategies are you using to be productive at home? A lot of people, and maybe as we move away from, you know, that moment of being in our school year, right, where it was really anxious, what kind of strategies are you using to try to keep yourself motivated and, and stay focused on, on some of the achieving some of these goals? Um, well, I'm definitely just trying to take it one day at a time and just even just creating like schedules and just kind of like checklists of what I want to 
you know, like accomplish this summer, whether it be like, like I said before, like just trying to find volunteer options. I'm hoping to actually take an online course for one of the courses that I'm supposed to be taking next year, but I was just going to get a head start at it. So at least I'm being productive in that sense. And just, yeah, just things like that. Just trying to find things to keep me busy. Perfect. And Sam, what kind of things are you doing now to sort of stay focused and, and motivated? I would say similar to Maria, definitely schedules and checklists are really nice. I'm, I've been journaling lately and I've also been really trying to, you know, be active. So I go on daily jogs with my mom at our local park and I find that just helps my head get in the right space and I'm trying to wake up early like at nine well I know 9 a.m is not too early but to me it's <laughs> early during quarantine so you know try to get up at 9 a.m and then go on a jog then strictly focus on you know studying and eating I guess for the rest of the day and you said you were taking a course because I think Wednesdays you're taking a course what course is that yeah, so I'm actually taking three courses right now. Oh, so wow. I'm taking Geography of Toronto, Sociology of Food, and also an Introduction to Astronomy. So I bet you Prab, Prab has lots of ideas about the sociology <laughs> of food. If you ever need a tutor, I think she could. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And tell us more about this journaling thing. What does that help with? I think that really helps me with kind of just expressing how I feel. I think that, well, at least for myself, like I do have two other sisters and then I have my parents that live with me. So we're a family of five. So sometimes, you know, in the beginning of the quarantine, it was a little bit difficult because, you know, you're not used to being with your family and with people, you know, literally 24 hours a day. So I think that journaling really helped me to express how I'm feeling if, you know, especially the end of semester of last semester, when I was feeling frustrated, I would write it down and just be like, this is what I'm feeling. This is, these are my goals. You know, what is even possible right now? And I think it, that's just my way of figuring out my communication with do you, myself. Do you, go, do you go back and read it? Or is it just the act of doing it that really feels good? The act of doing it is what feels good. For some reason, I don't go back and read them. Some people do recommend that you should go back because it's like you're reliving and then, you know, you see where you're at now compared to where you were. But I just like to kind of leave it in the past and it's a sense of release for me, basically. Yeah. Just another person you're talking to, but exactly. it's the smartest person, you know, right? Yeah. <laughs> <absolutely>. <laughs> uh, what, are, what techniques are you using to, uh, to sort of cope? So I think for me, I really like to always not dress professional, but definitely not be in my pajamas. So, you know, a little dress up in the morning, just so I feel like I, it's like the act of going to school. I, I actually have four courses. I'm taking four courses right now. So that kind of helps me to stay on track. I really like to plan out my week. That's something I like to do. So when I'll be really just like organize my week or into when I will finish certain assignments and set due dates for myself. And I agree with Sam. I really like to like write things out and I will never read them again. <laughs> but I think it just like everything built up and, you know, all the frustration, anxiety, everything throughout the day, what's happened. It just like releases it. So I think that's a way that helps me to cope with everything. Yeah, these are all very cool strategies. And one thing it's really important to remember, somebody else uh, said this, one of, one of the, your peers actually said that 
every day is the same now. And so mm-hmm. you don't have to beat yourself up if you don't complete your tasks in a single day, because now you can integrate what you did over a five days over the week, because it doesn't really matter if you use your Sundays or right. Yeah. And so you can have shorter days and still be as productive throughout the productive. week. I want you to come back to this idea about the, you know, and, and Prav, we'll start with you because you're doing it right now. If we do go back in the fall, what can, how can we develop courses that are better? Or what do you like about the online or the remote platform that you'd like to keep? And what don't you like? Because I think, you know, a lot of us, a lot of my peers and my, and my peers, faculty members will be listening to this, by the way, just so you know. So they, they might really benefit from knowing what are some strategies to move through and prove upon when we're delivering content to students remotely. I love that you asked me this question, Brian, because it's something I wanted to actually suggest to Ryerson. So I think Australia does this really cool thing for every course, no matter if it's an elective, they have something called tutorials, which are just basically smaller groups. They put students into smaller groups and they provide them with a tutor. So yes, they have the big conventional lectures, But in small tutorials, we actually get to interact with other students, share how we're feeling, address certain issues. And it really provides us with the opportunity, especially when you're learning in a remote situation, is like you probably won't understand a lot of the content. So it provides us with the opportunity to clarify a lot of content and understand. And also Australia, I mean, well, my university that I attended, RMIT there, they're very flexible with deadlines. I think moving forward, Especially in this situation, this is something that every university should implement is being flexible with deadlines because I think students are going through a lot right now and we may not know somebody's situation, right? So I think those are some things Ryerson can implement, maybe like reducing class sizes and being flexible with deadlines and just, I think, being more understanding of everyone's situation. Yeah, I think that's a, I, it's it's hard to be understanding, but it's easy to to be flexible, right? I think because yeah, <laughs> you don't yeah. know everyone's situation, yeah, but sure. I, I think to be dynamic, that's that's really important. Specifically, <laughs> if you were telling somebody who taught organic chemistry to three hundred and fifty people, and having taken that course yourself, what would you say? What like I like the tutorial idea. We can always break it into like groups of ten or something like that to have side discussions or whatever in terms of giving a lecture though what would you advise should it be real time should it be recorded should it be what i think it should be both real time and recorded because some students may not be able to attend real time just real time because it really like allows students to feel like oh wait okay there's a lecture i need to you know open up my laptop you know be in study mode and it can be interactive so they can actually ask you questions in the moment if they don't understand anything. And recorded also gives them the opportunity if something wasn't clear to go back and understand. Uh, one thing I really like what you did actually in Organic Chem, Brian, was you gave us weekly quizzes. So that really helped us to stay engaged with the content. Like I can imagine if you're learning online and you have like one midterm and one exam, it can be very difficult to stay on task, you know, be motivated to study. And this is really becoming selfish for, for my benefit. So I won't dwell too much on this, but do you know what a pub quizzes are? Pub quizzes when you go to a pub or any location and it's like trivia, right? And you, and you, in a team, you answer questions, you come up with your answer. That's what I'm thinking about running the quizzes like this time. So it's kind of like a pub quiz. So you have, it's like small teams are, are trying to answer the question weekly really and then cool. they can, and then it combines the ideas kind of of tutorials where they're working together, but it's timed. So that means while we're doing it, like the question will go away, right? 
So you, you got like a minute or whatever. And obviously everyone here has done taken organic. So it's a little bit trickier in terms of, you know, it have to be a visual that we can all see. And because it's a team, if, you know, one person's internet drops suddenly, then there's still four other people on the team who can submit the response, right? So wow. anyway, I'm not sure exactly if that'll work, but that's just something that I'm thinking about. Maria, what advice would you give to professors who are trying to be better in this, in this mode? Yeah, I definitely like the idea of having those tutorials and being able to work in groups. I think that that's really important because especially with concepts, even like organic chemistry, like I know when I took that course with you and I, I had a lot of friends in that class and it was really helpful to be able to all talk together and, you know, figure out different problems and to their reactions and things like that, because sometimes we don't always know how to solve it, but when we have another person um, that can maybe help us with it, then it makes things a lot more easier for us to understand. Sorry to interrupt. With these teams, would you prefer that you make them or that they're assigned? I think that I would actually prefer it to be assigned because I think, you know, we already have those friends that we've maybe made in classes that we're familiar with, but introducing, getting introduced to different people in the class can also help with, you know, gaining connections and yeah, just having new friends in the program that can also help you out. So you're just basically, yeah, like building your connections and um, having more people that will be able to help you out. And that's a really astute observation. And that's one of the reasons you can get a diverse team that way, as opposed to the same group of people. Yeah. And so you, you build, and in a second year course, you can imagine how many people do you actually remember from first year, right? Because it'll be right. So, and in the case of nutrition students, you're in your first year, they actually take the same course in the second semester of their first year. So they haven't necessarily made all of their sort of group dynamics yet too. So what else could we do? I think another strategy that you guys can do is probably, again, just, I think recording, I think recording lectures would be a really good way to help students because a lot of the times, you know, they might be busy with other obligations you know, some people are starting to go back to work already, and maybe they might not have as much free time to make in for different classes as other students would be. So if the lectures were recorded, that they could work at it at their own pace, and they would probably thrive better that way. And it's really easy to do with Zoom, right? Just like we're recording this conversation right now, it's, I don't even have to do it twice. Like I could give a live performance and then submit the recording afterwards. This is what concerns me the most, and I don't know how I'm going to solve this problem, but Doing those quizzes and handing them back to you every week allows me to know your name and who you are, right? Like I do not have to look up any one of the people who I've been interviewing to know, remember what they look like. I won't be able to do that. Yeah. That's gonna that's gonna be quite that'll be quite a change in in dynamics and relationships and everything else. What could break down that barrier? Perhaps um, I'm just trying to think. Maybe you guys could, I guess. If, they're, if you are doing like a live lecture, maybe they could like show their faces, but I guess that would also be tough because... How would you feel about, you know, doing like a one minute kind of video clip of yourself, whatever, like, would that be something you'd be willing to submit to a professor? Yeah, yeah, because at least you can like introduce yourself. Yeah, and they would have a better, I guess, understanding of who you are, how you feel about the course. And yeah, you could, I think that's a great idea. I think that's probably, I'm, I'm, I'm just spinballing right now with you guys. Like I really, I'm only starting to think about this in this conversation, but it does love these things make me nervous. Sam, what advice would you give? You actually, Sam, you, you had an interesting um, 
end of your semester because you meant I know you were busy and you had a lot of shit happened, but you you also had said some pretty good things about ecology, and I I think the way that that course had a final exam is was a little bit different than what you would normally yes. have for a final exam. Can you explain that to everybody? Totally. So the final exam was very interesting for ecology. Um, but first and foremost, she was an amazing professor, Dr. Leslie Campbell, and I really appreciate her. She was very great in kind of understanding students and really understanding the whole idea of a pandemic. And she basically gave us an asynchronous exam and we had about three days to complete it. And it was kind of on like a word document and we just filled in the document and submitted it. However, the format of the exact actual exam, it wasn't more so, you know, theoretical knowledge. It was more, you know, bringing all your ideas together to formulate, for example, like scientific essay questions. It was really awesome in the fact that she really tested our knowledge because we needed to really bring together everything that we learned to answer these questions specifically. We also did a format of, you know, formulating our own multiple choice, our own long answer and short answer questions. One of the concerns that my, my colleagues often express, mm -hmm. and not Dr. Campbell per se, I haven't heard her say this, but a lot of people are concerned about the integrity of the exams, right? The integrity, and to be fair, I will criticize them a little bit because I think you don't have to have an exam to have an assessment. It doesn't have to be traditional in terms of mm -hmm. a written test or a multiple choice. How would you feel if you had to give, let's say I gave you 10 topics. Mm -hmm. So I, it was, I told you like kind of like a mock exam, like you've seen my mock exam and there are five sections and I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to give you an oral exam on one of those five sections and you don't know what it is. And it's only a portion of the final grade. So it's not, there still be a written component, but this is something that we could do through zoom. Like you and I could have a one-on-one -on -one thing and I could course, ask yeah. you to explain stuff. And you of course would have to do all study all 10 topics because you'd want to, mm -hmm. to be ready for any one of them that I might give you. How would you feel about having to all our listeners? I'd be curious to get their feedback. How would you feel about having a five minute oral exam as part of your of your coursework assessment? I think that's very fair, to be honest. For myself, I actually took a Spanish course in, in September, sorry, not September, second year of my studies. And one of the ways that we were tested was actually a 10 minute oral exam. And we also had a written component exam too. And I think that that's a great way because we're literally expressing and similar to what we did for the online exam, just bringing together everything that we learned and you know, it's really authentic, I would say, um, more than, you know, theoretical. And I think that that would be a great idea. And, and, and it's a little bit, I would say, a little bit less nerve wracking because it's not one is wrong. You're kind of really trying to support your answer. And I think that would give you the opportunity to see how hard the student really worked for, you know, studying the exam. You're absolutely right. It is, it's dynamic, right? Because it's, exactly. I can, if you're stuck on maybe the wording or whatever, I can't change a written question, but then I can rephrase what I was asking, right? To, mm -hmm. to, to bring you, to, I can really assess your thinking a lot better because even a, a final exam is just me throwing a bunch of questions. If you didn't happen to study those questions, you'd be out of luck. Maria, what do you think about the idea of having an oral exam, five minutes? I think that's a really good idea too. Similar to Samantha, I actually took a French course last year in which similarly uh, we had an oral both an oral exam and a written exam and mm -hmm. I think it's really good because when you 
establish like a good relationship with your prof, you feel very comfortable around them. And then you'll, you're, you're more likely to be less like nervous about answering the questions and uh, you'll be able to answer them better. And it's also a good way for the prof to kind of understand their thinking process throughout the question and seeing like an area of maybe weakness that you can later tell them that they can work on and stuff like that. Completely agree. Prab, what would you, you're no danger of me ever teaching you a course again, but what, uh, what would you think about that? Having a, that kind of component assessment? I think it's a dream come true for me because I've always wanted a professor to actually talk, to, like give me an oral exam because as Samantha and Maria both uh, mentioned, it's very dynamic. And I feel like, you know, sometimes, well, first it helps to develop a better relationship with the prof. And I think the prof can also get to know the student better because I, I mean, I don't want to be rude, but usually in exams, again, it's, it's sometimes by luck, you can do well or, you know, memorize well, but when you're like face to face and you can really see if the student is thoroughly thinking through their answer, you know, breaking it down and just the way to deliver their answer gives a lot of weight. So I think it'll also be less stressful for the students. So I think it's a win-win situation for both the professor and the students. And I'd be very interested to see what the rest of the students who listen to this say, if it would be stressful or not. And one of the challenges would be, I may, we all imagine that I was the one that was giving the exam and maybe I wouldn't be able to do that with a class of 350. But oh, if, yeah. if one of your quizzes over the semester was one-on-one, I could probably get everybody through one of their quizzes being oral as a prep for the final answer. Because you'd like to get some feedback, right? You'd like to have some experience before you get to the real thing. I'll have to think that through, but anybody who's listening or if you ever come up with great ideas, just jot them down, send me an email. I would be more than happy to try to integrate some of these lines of inquiry into the course. And I think it would work for the winter course because your class prep is only like 100 people. So that's something that yeah. would probably be more feasible for the nutrition folks as well. I have an asked and answered part of this podcast, which you're completely unfamiliar with, where somebody else who's been previously interviewed asks a question. And so to whomever, it might be to faculty members, but the asked and answered section is designed to sort of keep some engagement between the two different groups moving into the future. So I have a question from one of the people I interviewed earlier in the week, and I'd like to hear your, your answer to this. It's a loaded question, but maybe you can come up with a short, <laughs> a paraphrased answer. And probably we're going to start with you because you're the senior amongst us. The question that Anthony Morgan asked, who will be, you'll see his podcast later on, was how do you deal with fear? Wow, that's a deep question. It is a deep question. Personally, one thing I've learned, Brian, through my years is, you know what, initially I was very scared to approach people, to approach professors, to approach individuals with maybe more credentials than me. And what I've learned is, you know what, we're all human. <laughs> we're all human beings at the end of the day. We've all made mistakes. We've all been there. We've all faced the same fears. So I think how I overcome fear in terms of um, interacting with other people is that it's okay. What's the worst that will happen? They might ignore me. They might say no to me, but I keep moving on. Sam, what would you say? How do you deal with fear? So how I deal with fear is... I think it's a complicated process for me, but I like to kind of go through a bit of phases when I deal with fear specifically. First, I like to acknowledge what my fears are. 
And sometimes I can do that either by saying it out loud or sometimes I also like to write them down. So I find that for me, that's really cute. First of all, just saying it out loud and writing it down, you're kind of exposing your fears. I think that gives me the opportunity to sit with how I'm feeling instead of, you know, sit with how I'm feeling and exposing it rather than sit with how I'm feeling it and letting my mind go cuckoo on me. So that's one thing that I like to do. And then after that, I think that through my experiences with fear, I've learned that we also have to stop fearing to ask people for help. I think that, you know, often we just want to help ourselves and we think, you know, we're strong, we're super woman, Superman, and we're, we can do it by ourselves. You know, it's embarrassing to ask, but I think that one part of overcoming fear is also to ask for help when you need it. Perfect. Maria, how do you deal with fear? So whenever I'm really nervous about something, I always go immediately to my friends and just really get their support and, you know, ask for their help and just realize that I'm probably not the only one that's going through this and uh, whether it be like through school or something like that and that we're kind of all in this together um, and that with the help of each other, we can all help each other and just ease our stresses. And that's a really good answer too, because one of the things that they tell you in psychology is quite often we, and this is like, I think what you alluded to as well, Sam, is you, we blow things out of proportion because it's just in our head. Exactly. And it wouldn't matter if it was a personal relationship breakdown, we would blow it out of proportion. And so as soon as you talk to somebody who's distant psychologically from the actual fear, they'll be like, no, no, just do this. And you're like, shit, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> right? like, and they just give you such yeah. perspective and grounding that we wouldn't otherwise have got. Awesome. We could talk all day, but I have one more question before I let you go, because it's always, uh, I always like to end on a, on a hopeful note. By the way, that was a pretty good question to end on a hopeful note. But what has been your silver lining through all of this so far? And Bob, we're going to start with you. I would say that I think that like we're all in this together. And like every challenge, we'll all overcome this together. Strength in numbers. I love it. Yes. And it's a good reminder too, right? That I think one of the cool things in my neighborhood when I go outside is strangers will say hello from a very safe distance. That had never happened pre-COVID in my neighborhood. People are literally yes. having conversations at a distance and you know, the, lots of cliches are being thrown around, <laughs> but yeah. like, but it's so cool and I hope it lasts and I hope there's also some other things that bother me a little bit because some people are being scapegoated, right? Mm -hmm. People maybe in Asian communities or, or people who are wearing masks or whatever the reason. And so I, hopefully these things will not persist, but I've been really excited to see how communities are coming together. I agree. Maria, what has been your silver lining? I think my silver lining is just realizing that, you know, at some point like this will end, we will like all get through this together life will resume what it once was eventually. So I think I just keep thinking about that and um, just having hope. I, yeah, I don't think it's going to be like the end of the war where we have like big parades and things like that. Yeah. But I, I kind of, you know, there's a light somewhere at the end of the tunnel. You just, you just can't see it, yeah, <laughs> it's, but right, it's hopeful. Yeah, right now it feels like the end of the world, but eventually <laughs> it'll all go back to normal. Yeah, it can only go up from here. I like that. Yeah, <laughs> And Sam, what has been your silver lining in all of this? I think that when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. I love that. <laughs> and so what flavor of lemonade are you making? <laughs> Raspberry, we just, we just, that's uh, for sure. 
<laughs> sweet, not sour and sweet at the same time. You know, try to make the best of every situation and also not to expect everything because, you know, this clearly was an example of how life can turn mm -hmm. 360 on you. So sometimes we have to detach ourselves from our expectations and just deal with life. Yeah. Uh, this has been a great life lesson for people who are willing to do that. And on a lemonade note, I actually started to make iced tea today and I remembered how good iced tea can be when you make it from real tea and lemonade. And, uh, and in this case, I added some stevia. So I used oh. an artificial sweetener. Well, no, a natural sweetener that comes from some sort of form of cactus, I think. Anyway, team, this has been fantastic. Maria, Prab, Sam, thank you so much for spending your hot, sunny afternoon with me today and sharing your insights. And we're gonna to have to get you back on the pod at some point because I just love talking to you today. Thank you so much, Thank Brian. Thank you so much, Brian. Thank you.